Welcome to the Intentional Family Podcast. I'm Rachel Schmitz here with my husband, Mike. How are you today? I'm doing good. How are you? I'm good. We're going to talk about boundaries again, which is rather interesting because we probably have some recent stories of some boundary flounders, but maybe <laughs> some boundary victories. Boundary flounders. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so that we can also have an opportunity to be very transparent with you, knowing that we're not here as experts by any means, but we're just walking along this journey and sharing our journey with you, the good, the bad, and the ugly, to help encourage, inspire, and just help set you on a course to live an intentional life, to um, be intentional as a family, as a couple, as an individual. Sounds good. So just for context, this is a follow-up to, I think it's episode 39, Mm -hmm. which was Landmarks and Landmines. Yes. (laughs) And uh, the whole idea of boundaries is inspired by the book Boundaries by Dr. Henry Cloud, Dr. John Townsend. So we'll have a link to that book in the show notes if people are interested in it. We also covered it for Bookworm. So if you don't want to read the whole book, you want to get the gist of it, put a link to that in the show notes as well. But uh, there's a lot to unpack here with this whole topic of boundaries. That first episode, we really kind of talked about what boundaries were and why they were important. And in this episode, we kind of want to talk about some specific boundaries here with friends, your spouse, and your children. And we have a lot of uh, personal experiences that we could probably share intermittently in all of these that might help solidify this idea of having boundaries. And as we've defined it previously, boundaries are in place to keep unwanted things out and keep what we want in. Keep the bad stuff out and the good stuff in. Like if you have animals that you want to keep in your pasture, you want to have a boundary. You want to have a fence line up to keep them in and keep them safe and keep out what shouldn't be there. It's true. So that is the basic idea of a boundary or a landmark. And the first topic that we would like to discuss is boundaries with friends. One of the biggest influences we have in our life is those that we consider friends. And there is a saying or a a mindset that goes something along the lines, and you can say it better than I can, I'm sure, (laughs) but you basically are the sum of those that are the five closest people in your life. Yep, the five people you spend the most time with. And I like the way that's phrased, the people you spend the most time with, because with the culture that we live in now, those aren't necessarily the five people you work with or the five people you go to school with. Mm -hmm. They're literally any voice that you allow to speak into your life. Yeah, it could be a podcast. (laughs) It could be like a radio talk show you like to listen to uh, in your car, in the drive, or TV, whatever you might fill your, whatever voice you fill yourself with. And that is a very good thing to keep in mind because what we put in us will inevitably come out of us, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. That's just how it works. What we're filled with comes out of us. Like if you have an empty glass, Whatever you fill it with, if you keep as you keep filling it, that's what comes out. Let's let's fill it to overflowing. Well, what you, we consume our time with, what we fill our mind with, what we listen to, that will come out of us. Yep. Another way to say it would be garbage in, garbage out. You know, whatever you're feeding on, that is eventually going to come out of you. Another way to say it, I think, uh, is that nothing is neutral. Mm-hmm. You can't just sit there and hear all of this emotional, Mm drama-filled, 
reality TV, talk radio stuff and think that you can override that. You might be able to for a little bit, but if you are in an environment where people are using bad language and you've never said a cuss word in your entire life, eventually when someone cuts you off in traffic or something, it's going to come out of you and it's going to shock you when it happens. You'll be Mm -hmm. like, well, where'd that come from? And those are seeds that have been planted. Yeah. And if you don't recognize those seeds when they are planted because you think, oh, it's not that big a deal, then it's it shouldn't be a surprise when you get that harvest. But a lot of times it, it is. It catches us off guard. And we just need to recognize and curate what are the things that we're going to uh, allow in when it comes to to friends specifically. I feel like this is the one where you have some flexibility in terms of saying, I'm not going to listen to that negative voice anymore. Mm-hmm. It's a little bit harder when you get to family and you you say, well, I'm not going to talk to my <laughs> my brother, my sister, my mom, my dad, whatever, like that close relationship. You know, you're going to offend some people if you say, you know what, I don't want, I just don't want to hear that right now. Yeah. But with your your friends, you have a little bit more choice in the matter. You don't get to choose your family. You do get to to choose your friends, but ultimately you have to decide what effect those people are having on you and decide if it's worth it. Exactly. And this can be a hard one because uh, we think that we have to love everyone in the sense that we can't push anyone out of our life or cut them off from our life because that's not nice. That's not kind. You know, how can I do that? But if we really see the big picture here, if I continue to spend time with this person that maybe is toxic, maybe there's someone that's always complaining or gossiping or negative. Well, th- how long does it take in your time with that person? If you reflect on your last time you spent with them, how long does it take? Like if you go into it with and you're really positive, you're excited, you know, you have, you're not, you're excited about this next thing that's happening. And let's say it's a matter of you're with this person for 20 minutes and all of a sudden your attitude and your mood and your mindset starts to drop, starts to shift to the negative. Mm -hmm. And maybe you start entertaining if they start gossiping about another person. Maybe you start engaging in that. That is a huge red flag and an indicator that this may not be the kind of person that I want to entertain some sort of relationship with. And that's not to say we can't have any conversations with people, but it's a matter of guarding our heart. That's one of my favorite scriptures is guard your heart for out of it are the issues of life. We have to guard what we let in us and what we let affect us. Yeah. If you, (laughs) it doesn't matter how great a person they are, if they're going to come and dump their trash all over your yard, you're going to be like, hey, knock that off. (laughs) I don't want that here. Mm -hmm. Uh, One of the things that I probably bring up way too much. Uh, but Jim Rohn has those three questions that I absolutely love. And they are, who am I allowing to speak into my life? What effect is that having on me? Because again, nothing is neutral. And is that okay? Yeah. And recognizing this is not okay, that whenever I'm with this person, they're, you use the word toxic, and I feel like that's a great word choice. It sounds harsh. It does. But it is toxic. And you put a drop of motor oil on a pizza, it doesn't, you're not going to eat any of it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's, it's contaminated at that point. Yep. And 
I feel like when it comes to our relationships, we tend to excuse a lot of stuff. Well, it's really not that bad. And nobody's perfect. I'm not saying like three strikes and you're out. I'm not going to talk to you anymore. Right. But you have to at least make it a little bit harder for that negative stuff to get in. And that's what the boundaries do is you don't have to say, well, I'm not going to talk to you. But the minute that you recognize that it's slipping into gossip, like you were talking about, you put up the boundary and you push back a little bit and you say, well, you know what? I, I'm not going to discuss that right now. Let's talk about something else. You can, yeah. can redirect it just like you do with your kids. Let's mm -hmm. talk about something else. Mm -hmm. And I like a quote from the book that I had jotted down. Friendship is a non-romantic relationship that is attachment based rather than function based. So you think about that and how um, the different chemicals in our brain that are released when we have different connections with people. And so sometimes if you have a very deep connection with a friend, maybe a lifelong friend, and you recognize that maybe you're just going through a season where this person is very not a great person for your life, that doesn't mean you need to cut them off together or altogether. But what we can do is we can set the boundaries in place for what kind of interaction we will have with them. Let's yeah. say instead of, oh, let's just go hang out. Okay, well, how about we just, I have 20 minutes. Why don't we meet up for coffee just for a little bit and have a time limit or whatever it may be. And let's do it this way yep. on your terms yep. to make sure that you're steering the conversation mm -hmm. in a right and healthy direction. Yeah. Uh, I feel like that's a, a really good tactic. And uh, again, like, you, you need to at some point be able to say enough is enough. This is every time I get around this person, I feel like they are taking life from me instead of adding life to me. And yeah. that's not worth it. Uh, and that feels selfish to do that. But it's really important. It comes back to the whole topic of putting on your own oxygen mask first. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you are constantly being depleted by the people around you, the, you need to change your environment. Yeah, You need to get around people who are going to speak life to you. One of the things that I did for Bookworm a while back is I had this this action item to rate every single person that I interacted with on a regular basis. On a scale, this sounds terrible, but for, from plus, 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 which was basically you and my pastor, all the way down. And then, so down from there, plus, 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 minus, minus, uh, plus, I think was the other one, minus, just straight up minus, uh, minus, minus was the, the lowest one. And it was basically just how I felt going into, uh, if I saw this person on the street and they walk up to me, do I feel like they are happy to see me and they are going to speak life into me or are they going to want something from me and draw it out of me? <laughs> and I recognize that there's a lot of people that I see on a regular basis who every every time I see them, they want something from me. That's not necessarily a bad thing. I mean, it's my job in some respect to to serve some of these people, but I have to recognize that this is a it's like a emotional bank account, relational bank account too, where for every withdrawal that happens, there needs to be a deposit as well. Mm -hmm. And if I'm constantly just giving out funds because all these people are coming to me making withdrawals and nothing is being deposited, eventually I don't have anything to give anyone of value. Right. And when you speak of it that way, it 
brings back that guard your heart scripture again. Because knowing that going into, you'll approach a conversation differently if you know in your in your mind, you have, you're conscious of what this conversation is. What is the level of this relationship? So that you can guard your heart so that even if it is like, let's say a quote unquote draining conversation or person or interaction or relationship, if you guard your heart going into it, it won't be even close to as draining as it was before being cognizant of that fact. And, and some of those draining conversations, you need to have them. Yeah, it's part of life. Some it's of not are, about av- avoiding all of that. That's some impossible. of them are going to be difficult, and mm-hmm. there's nothing you can do to avoid them. You just got to deal with it, and conflict isn't necessarily bad, so it's not what I'm talking about here either. But what's the purpose? If there's no purpose and it's constantly depleting, that's a red flag. That's not someone that I want to allow to speak into my life. But if it's somebody who is challenging me and they're coaching me and it feels ouchy in the moment Mm because they're asking me to do something that I don't know if I can do, but they're pushing me to become better because they see something in me that I don't. That's something completely different. Mm -hmm. So it's not just how do I feel when I come in contact with this person, but really what's the fruit of the seeds that are being planted? Yeah. Is it positive or is it negative? Yeah. And when we talk about boundaries with friends, I wanted to draw a picture of boundaries with family as well, because I have some relationships where there's this, they're family, they're friends, but we do like ministry, like work life together. So there's a lot going on. And I have had to learn over the years with a lot of these relationships that there's a time where we're social and we're just relaxed and we're spending time together for fun. And that's a whole different ball game. But then there's other times where we're in quote unquote work mode or ministry mode where we're pulling off an event together or serving in some way together. And that that's, that's a different set of boundaries. Mm-hmm. And this sounds like it's super complicated, but I feel like just the awareness of boundaries and the more we learn about it and how it affects every part of our life, that alone helps us set those appropriately. Yeah, well, the word appropriate is the key there. If you understand the relationship, then you can determine what is appropriate. And if you don't ever think about that, then that's when the lines get blurred. But the minute that you do stop and think about it for even a minute and you ask yourself, well, what's the appropriate thing to do here? It's a lot easier to be intentional. Yeah. In a discipleship relationship, I'm going to challenge somebody. I'm going to be a little bit more direct. And I've been there where I've got a group of guys at my church and the ones that understand the relationship, just like I have with my leaders and my my pastor, and I allow them to challenge me, I allow them to speak into my life. Those are the ones that that grow. They they relish that uh, that challenge, the 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 opportunity to fix something that is presented before them, but the ones who view their pastor as their buddy or just someone that, you know, you want to go hang out with. Go play that's yeah golf with. <laughs> that's when the offense comes because they don't understand what's the, the purpose of this relationship. 
And in that specific one, it's easy for me. My, my pastor is my spiritual leader. He sees things. He's anointed for my life. He sees things that I don't see, and he doesn't tell me what to do, but he helps me to see things right. And then I'm able to make the sometimes difficult decisions that I need to because he's brought proper perspective. And I'm not going to water, I'm not going to devalue that gift by this maybe isn't coming across quite right. Like I don't want to say, well, my pastor is just somebody that we we go hang out, watch sports together, eat chicken wings. Like there are lots of other people who can fill that role in my life if <laughs> yeah. that's really something that I want. But there's one person who can fill the role of pastor in my life. I believe because he's the one that's that's anointed for me. So yeah. I'm not going. I'm going to lean into that gift. Mm-hmm. I'm going to lean into what he has for that from from that perspective of the relationship. And I feel when I understand that and he understands that, then it's almost like the pressure for him is gone. It's yeah. it's kind of like now I can do what I'm anointed and wired and made to do, mm-hmm. and he can just release it. Yeah. And I've been in that that situation myself where you get in a, even with your kids, like a teachable moment, right? That you recognize like they're ready to receive something right now and you can just let it flow. Mm-hmm. And that feels really good. But when uh, when there's not the synergy there of like, well, why are we coming together here in the first place? That never just accidentally happens. Yeah. And I get this picture of a coach that has to spend most of their time convincing their players that he's a qualified coach and that they should listen to him. And they are headstrong thinking they're the star player. They know what play should be called. They know what (laughs) should happen next on the field. And so instead of the coach being able to flow in that leadership role and have his players trust him and train them and just tweak their every move and all, all of those aspects, the coach has to spend their time, waste their time, establishing authority that they already have as their role. (laughs) And the team fails because of it. And if we think of relationships in that way, when we have to convince the other person of our role in that relationship, we are wasting our time. As parents, if we have to convince our children that we are the authority and they must listen to us. Now, there is a part to that in raising children that... Um, uh, foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child and the rod of discipline drives it far from them so that that is that relationship does need to be established children do need to learn to listen and obey but what I'm saying is that when roles are understood when we can be led and lead in different relationships then things are so much more fruitful because we're not wasting our time you know a good coach is not going to be threatened by a star player who maybe does know the right play to call. Mm-hmm. They're going to listen and they're not going to be so insecure that they're going to say, no, it's got to be my way or the the highway. And I feel like that's where we can get in trouble as parents mm-hmm. is when we don't listen to our kids because a lot of times their feelings and their emotions that they're going through when they're not acting right, like the actions maybe aren't appropriate, but the fact that they're feeling a certain way, that's totally legitimate. Yeah. And so you have to be able to let them vent and express themselves 
and then talk about the action separately. Yeah. It can't be bound up in the their identity or anything like that. That's one of the difficult things in a business too is talking about ideas but not people. Mm-hmm. Because insecure people will take any attack on their idea as an attack on them. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think as parents, you can do that too. When a, a child pushes back, you got to ask yourself, why are they doing that? Mm-hmm. What's really beneath the surface here? And it's easy to just sweep that stuff under the rug. I guess I'm a little bit weird in that anytime there's conflict, I want to get to the bottom of it. I, my, <laughs> What I got to learn to do is just kind of let things sit for a little while, let everybody cool down, and then we'll come back and we'll right. we'll talk about it. But yep. Ultimately, uh, you can't just let stuff can't can't just let stuff go. If there's unresolved conflict, that it has to be discussed. We have to get to the the bottom of the the issue. And a lot of times, the issue is I don't feel heard. Yeah, no, that's very true. And with children, one of the biggest things we can do is to hear them and to let them speak and to just give them the time and simply say, I understand. When a lot of problems and issues with children can be avoided when we simply take time to understand. And children are going to be emotional. Children aren't going to see the things as an adult because they don't have an adult brain. They don't even have an adult developed brain until they're 25. So just please keep that in mind when they're going through crazy teenager, young adult years. Some adults don't have that developed brain. (laughs) Really? Yeah. I mean, sometimes I fly off the handle and don't have a developed brain. That's the other thing is even if you do have a developed brain, that emotional hijacking can happen to absolutely anybody. yeah. And it happens when you feel threatened. Mm-hmm. It's that fight versus flight response. I think we've talked about this, yes, but just real real briefly, what happens when you get a message to your brain, some of it goes to your prefrontal cortex and it's analyzed for proper meaning, but some of it goes straight to the amygdala, the, the emotional center of the, the brain. And that's the one that says, oh, that, that uh, person who criticized me in the board meeting, that's the equivalent of a saber-toothed tiger lurking behind the bush ready to pounce and and eat me. And in a parenting context, (laughs) when you have a a child who just says something, the wrong thing at the wrong moment, it can feel like that personal attack that is shining a spotlight on every single failure you (laughs) have ever, uh, every single mistake you have ever made. Yeah, And that's not comfortable. At that moment, your emotional brain is is telling you like, no, you got to deal with this right now. You got to come down hard. You got to bring the hammer. Yeah. Like the anger guy in the uh, inside out. Yeah. <laughs> the boot is down. <laughs> oh my goodness. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's true. And the more we practice this, the easier it gets. Because what we do is we literally create new pathways in our brain connecting the left from the right. So in the right side of your brain, where you have all your emotions, there's actually, speech does not happen on the right side of your brain where emotions are. So (laughs) to be able to overcome these emotions that can totally hijack this life of ours, because it's too out of control, what we have to do is start naming things. We have to start expressing like, this is how this is how this makes me feel. And with children, when we start training them young, when they get really emotional and crazy, and let's say they're totally 
stepping over every boundary in the house that you have set, what it's what's really important is to give them time to talk mm-hmm. and to be able to express themselves, to recognize that you understand them. And then what we're doing in that, all that talking, all those emotions are going down, 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 down. And new pathways are actually being made from left to right brain. So speech is actually attached to those emotions and they can express, I feel angry because my brother did this and I told him not to. And instead of like them not being able to articulate, like they're so stuck in being so angry or so frustrated or so disappointed that they can't express it. What we're trying to do is get those emotions down first and foremost, understanding them and giving them time to express and recognize okay, this is how I'm feeling and this is why. Yeah, and, and separating their feelings and how they how they voice them appropriately, they're going to mess up just like you're going to mess up as a, a parent too. Oh, absolutely. So this is not, you know, we set these boundaries and then all of a sudden things just magically click into place. This is kind of a constant back and forth. These boundaries are constantly changing as your kids get older And it is a lot of adjust and repair. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I want to call out right right here, because it is so much trial and error, is be willing to admit when you make a mistake. Yes. Because that gives your kids then the freedom to admit when they've made a mistake without feeling like they are a complete failure. Because if you don't admit your own failures, you kind of create this unspoken standard of perfection this is the this is what we hold as acceptable and if uh, your kids see that you don't live up to that but you say you live up to that then in the back of their mind they're thinking mom and dad are are a hypocrite for us it also helps to have a central source of truth which for us is the bible this is the way that we are aiming to live our lives yeah but we're not perfect. We mm-hmm. mess up every single day. So when we apologize to our kids and we say, hey, we should not have responded this way. Will you forgive us? It's no big deal because they got to do the the same thing. Uh, you, It kind of creates this culture of humility mm-hmm. where no one's going to uphold this perfect standard, but we're all going to chase this together. And there is grace here for you to make mistakes as long as you are striving to learn and grow from them. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And having that transparency with our children, like if we've gone overboard or misunderstood a situation and one kid got disciplined or yelled at that shouldn't have, or we just flew off the handle and yelled at our kids, oh, wait, we don't do that, right? No. (laughs) (laughs) I do that. (laughs) And then I apologize a lot of times when we're in the car, when we're trying to leave the house or something like that, I'm so sorry for yelling at you guys. Uh, I should have just been more patient. We can all do a better job. Would you please forgive me? And of course they forgive me and then it's all good. And that's modeling for them what that looks like. And it's also an opportunity to dissect what actually happened here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What was happening that caused you or I, because we both do this, to react emotionally yeah and then we can explain it to them like well when you did this this is how i interpreted it Mm -hmm. and it's disrespectful 
to just completely ignore your mom and go do your own thing. Yeah. So don't do that. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, I answered, but I was walking away and mumbling yeah. under my breath and there was a bunch of stuff going on in the other yeah. room. So, okay, well, how can we avoid this whole thing next time? Just turn and face your mom and respond. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right? Or, you know, you have to wear shoes to leave the house. So should mom have to tell you four times in a row to put on your shoes? Like these are the conversations we often have in the <laughs> car. Like and we break things down and give us all a greater awareness of our part in this because it's not just one person. We have to function together. It's kind of like at, when you play... Uh, play a sport football is the one that comes to mind because they have a game usually on Sundays for the NFL and then the beginning of the week before they even start practicing they'll go back and they'll watch the film and they'll analyze all the plays and they'll figure out what was actually yeah. going on <laughs> what worked what didn't and mm -hmm. they'll make adjustments yeah. they'll even do that at halftime so going back to the episode on micro adjustments, yeah, right? Because some of these adjustments take a little bit more time to implement. Some of them, oh, that's easy. We can fix that. I didn't know you felt that way. Well, I won't do that anymore. Yeah. But some of it takes repetition. Some of it takes practice. You got to create a new default. And so you just got to keep putting in the, the work. But as long as everybody is on board with the goal, I mean, we all want to have a positive home life. We don't want our kids to be stressed out on pins and needles that they're going to make a mistake. Right. You know, they're involved with the conversations that we have about our core values and why we love people and all that kind of stuff. We had an outreach tonight as we record this. Yeah. You know, we were talking afterwards about what was your favorite part about it? Mm -hmm. How did people respond? You know, that 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 sort of thing. Like creating a culture is difficult if you try to create a formula for this is how you do it step by step. But when you're intentional and you're, you have this, this vision of where you're going, it kind of becomes obvious how to do it moment by moment Yeah, because you filter everything that's going on through this, this lens of, is this helping me be more intentional? Is this, setting myself and my kids and my spouse up for success. Right. And if it is, then great. We're going to build a boundary and protect that thing. If it's not, well, we're going to build a boundary to, to separate us from that. Yeah. One thing recently, we do habit charts. And I think I've discussed these before on here. But basically, what I have is a whiteboard in our main hallway and I have these pies that I divide into seven pieces because of seven days of the week. And they're collective habits that we want all the children to take part in. And they have to work as a team. And at each day that they complete that habit, we fill in that slice of the pie. At the end of the week, if the, all the pies are filled in, save they can only have one mistake or one miss for the week, they get a group reward, which is no more than $10. Often it's like, we'll go get donuts on Saturday morning or we'll... Half price books or something like that. Go to like half that. price books and they get like $2 each or something to get a book, something like that. But basically it's the idea of we're going to work as a team and establish these habit habits. Some of them are making sure the room, our bedroom is tidy. 
the clothes are put away, the toys are put away, that we're in bed on time, that we're reminding each other to brush our teeth twice a day, that we have good car manners, good table manners. There's six total different habits that we have on there. And recently, about a week and a half ago, I was like, you know what, guys? I'm the only one driving this now. We've kind of lost our focus on this. And I'm at fault, and all of us are at fault because we're all supposed to remind each other, but I'm the only one doing it. So we're going to take a break for a while, for just like a week, week and a half, and reevaluate where we're at here. What, Which one should be on the board? Which one shouldn't? And do you guys even want to still do this? Because these are good things that we need to do as a family, and this is a fun way to establish them, but I need everyone to be a part of it. Yeah, we got to have buy-in. Yes. And I had to readjust that because it just wasn't working at the time. And so I, we're going to actually be doing that this week where we're going to look at it, we're going to readjust it and reset the whole thing. And what is this doing? It's giving them ownership of what we're doing here. They're getting ownership in some of the family boundaries that we're putting in place. And it's helping give them a reference point to how we live on a very basic level. They don't get to say we don't want boundaries, but they get to decide where they go. <laughs> yeah. And they get to be a part of being on the team, yep. being a team player. And this is just another breakdown of how in relationships, in a family, in friendships, all of that, that we can be setting boundaries, that we can recognize any relationship that may be toxic, that may be dragging us down, that we need to adjust. Anything in our home life that may be negative, or maybe it's positive and we need to reinforce it. But what we do need to do is recognize where our boundary lines are. And consider moving them if need be. <laughs> yeah, they're not, You, we can't just look at it as concrete set in stone. We need to see where they should be and move them accordingly. Build your boundaries, not out of bricks, but out of barbed wire fence. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I don't think I like barbed wire fence based on the that's the one that they, yeah that's the one that uh, that came to mind after uh, the previous episode on boundaries when we talked about Lucy and the cow. You know what that does make me think of my good friends that have a small farm. They have five steers and they sell them for their beef. It's grass fed beef. It's awesome. And what they do is they have this big grassy beautiful field, and they have these two movable boundaries within this big field. And in this pasture, the the steers will graze on a section. And when they've cleaned up that section of grass, they move to the next set, section so that the rest can keep growing and they keep moving them. Yep. And that's what I think of here Yeah, is we keep moving to the green grass. And mm -hmm. sometimes our boundaries have to move a little bit. We have to recognize, well, because this season of my life, this relationship is different. And the needs are different or the dynamics are different. So we have to adjust and repair. That's our constant mantra, adjust <laughs> and repair every yep. day of our lives. With that, we hope that you are inspired to set some boundaries this week. Maybe there's a relationship that you need to change or maybe cut off. Maybe there's some things in your family life that you can set that will be healthy for not only you or your spouse, but for your children. Thank you for listening to the Intentional Family podcast. We can be found at intentionalfamily.fm. Until next time, join us in living life intentionally. Intentional.